It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. Today is Wednesday, which uh, for regular listeners, um, they know that that means coming up in about an hour, we have our political roundtable, the... um, Armchair Politics, a regular feature on Wednesdays of the Tom Sumner program. And uh, it features two hours of commentary and analysis about the headlines from the worlds of politics and current events. Featuring our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki on the left, Flint's premier political pundit, and then uh, longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter on the right. They'll be joined uh, today by um, uh, one of my favorite people. He uh, ran for president in 2016. He served in uh, high-ranking government uh, positions in two presidential administrations, and he uh, joins us every uh, every few weeks or so. From Mississippi, Mark Everson will be joining the roundtable today. Now, I've been trying um, the the... Michigan race for governor, at least on the GOP side, has been especially interesting. We started out with a dozen candidates, and right away, two of them didn't uh, turn in enough signatures to qualify. Ten did, but five of them had their uh, petitions rejected. And I've been trying to get the candidates, the GOP candidates, lined up um, in this first hour on Wednesdays, since we're talking politics the next couple hours anyway, uh, seemed like it'd be a good spot for him. And uh, then all of a sudden, the field was cut in half when five of the ten GOP candidates had their petitions uh, disqualified. And um, so I've, I've had candidates that are on the ballot and candidates that have been kicked off the ballot. And we had one of those candidates that had been kicked off the ballot. Uh, Michael Markey was on, uh, along with Mike Brown, who um, just withdrew from the election as soon as his uh, petitions were declared invalid, Um, whereas others, the, the other four, have tried various ways of suing their way back onto the ballot. Um, But Michael Markey and Mike Brown were on the show um, two, three weeks ago. And Michael Markey was scheduled for this morning for our regular long format interview. But 
uh, and and I would be happy to have him as planned to talk about what has happened with the petition uh, debacle, if you will, and and since and and what his plans are now and so on. But I expected to be connected with him already, and uh, that hasn't happened. So what I'm going to do is uh, I'm, I sort of spliced together the two interviews I did with uh, Mike Brown and Mike Markey. So we will have Michael Markey, just not live like I had planned. Um, that'll be coming up after the uh, first break. But I thought I'd take this uh, this first segment and talk about something. And this will probably come up during armchair politics. But uh, a little over a week ago, or about a week ago, um, well, maybe maybe it was just last week on uh, June 22nd, um, a uh, a member of the Tuskegee Airmen from Michigan. Um, passed away, Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Jefferson. Now, he'd been on the show uh, a few times, and I am going to bring back that. The last time he was on the show, I think, was um, for Martin Luther King's birthday in uh, 2018. But he uh, he turned 100 this past November, and um, and then he just passed away. Uh, as I mentioned last week, but and and I'm not sure, but I think he may have been the last surviving member of the Tuskegee Airmen. There were two in in Flint, and um, the other one uh, passed away a year or so ago. And uh, now Alexander Jefferson is gone. And as I mentioned, I'm sure we'll be talking about this on Armchair Politics a little bit later. But I thought it would be appropriate to... The, the interview that I did with him back in 2018 is fascinating because he talks about all of his various experiences about becoming a pilot and how he got connected with the Tuskegee Airmen and the fact that his squadron was the one known as the Red Tails and how he had been a uh, prisoner of war and and just a number of other things in his own words so we're gonna i'm gonna play that back and and have that encore um, as part of our show on uh, july 4th so tune in it'll be the first thing up on uh, the july 4th edition of the tom sumner program Anyway, um, in the meantime, I've, I've been stalling a little bit, hoping that um, Michael Markey would call in and we could do our interview live. But in as much as he hasn't, we'll go ahead and plan on, on having uh, an encore of the one, uh, the interview that he did with me uh, just, just a few weeks ago after the news of uh, being bounced off the, the ballot. We'll also hear the uh, interview I did with Mike Brown, who was very gracious. He was, he dropped out of the race the day before he was supposed to do our, our show, and he contacted me right away and said, I won't be able to do the show tomorrow, but I will come on. And he did a couple of days later to talk about that debacle, if you will. Anyway, um, we have a few minutes before the break, and then we'll hear those interviews. So uh, a little appropriate music, I think. One, 
got to be, you got to be, got to be, got to be, got to be, just, just gotta be you. What a difference, baby. Yeah, the difference is you. The difference is you. Well, 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 gotta be you. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places. So be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. 
Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Vi from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Babies come with lots of decisions. Cloth or disposable? Crib or bassinet? So when it comes to protection, go with the safest, most effective choice, vaccination. Get all the recommended vaccines for your baby by age two to protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, this is the Tom Sumner Program. My uh, next guest is one of the GOP candidates in the uh, August primary for Michigan governor. And um, as as most people know by now, there's been a little stir up. The Michigan uh, Board of Elections recommended pulling five out of ten candidates out of the running for the uh, August ballot. And one of those candidates joins me now by phone. Uh, Michael Markey was born and raised in Michigan. And uh, give me the bird's eye view. Yeah, the bird's eye view. Do you know how I found out that we had any problems with our signatures? Uh, In the the Free Press Monday? (laughs) Yeah, Twitter. Okay. Twitter. Same day. So we had no idea. You know, (laughs) yeah, right, you're right, yeah. We had no idea. And, you know, I think what people have to understand here is that there were certain candidates who it was public knowledge, it was very well known, um, that they were running up against the wall to get signatures, that they were having a very hard time getting signatures. What people, I think, don't understand is that wasn't us. So, yes, I did hire a certain, you know, a company. We hired a company, though, out of Florida, not the company that everyone's been citing here in Michigan. 
And so we, you know, we submitted our signatures in early or in mid-March. Almost all of our signatures came from um, a huge chunk came from the month of February. So the Secretary of State, the, uh, as you said, the Bureau of Elections states that in late March they started seeing um, fraudulent activities. Well, that wasn't us. I think what happened is, so a lot of people have described me because of, um, like, how early we just joked about me getting into business, had my first successful business technically when I was 14. People say, what does that mean? Well, simply it was, it was successful enough I was able to buy my first rental property, bought a second rental property before I was 16. So it did pretty well. Well, people have used this word uh, disruptor to describe me. Well, that's what I did when I got into this race. So we came in, I hired a company, we got the signatures faster th- than anybody. Um, and no, I don't believe that's because they were round robbing them or doing fake signatures. Um, but then what happened is I was very clear that that was the path we took. And I think what happened then is these campaigns that were struggling started saying, let's go find the, the, the company well, let's go find people that worked on Markey's campaign. I, you know, I, I'm just speculating there. And you know what they did then is they started paying people three times what we were paying them. We were paying seven bucks a signature. They started paying twenty dollars a signature. I and they said, that. "Hey, we'll we'll take." And you know, and they said, "Hey, we'll take as many as you can get me." Well, that just made it ripe for disaster. So you know, we had when we submitted our signatures, or when we stopped getting our signatures, basically early March, we still had well over a month. And what came up today at court, which was very interesting, that, you know, two of the candidates didn't even show up. I guess they didn't think it was important enough. I kind of do. Um, but they, one of the questions they asked each one of the candidates um, or, or representatives which was, what did the campaign do to verify or validate the, these were good signatures? I was the only one with an answer. You know, the, one, of the, one of the lawyers for Mr. Johnson's campaign said, well, you have to understand that, you know, oftentimes there'll be a, a group, a team of maybe 12 people who do this. And um, so they're, therefore they don't notice the overlap. It's never one person, not in the real world. I, and I love that I got up right after that because I said, well, um, uh, you know, it does work this way in the real world because I'm one person. I looked over, you know, I looked over every signature. When, when I hired the company and they started getting signatures for me, I said, hey, I, uh, you know, I want to see these. And so they go, well, we can set you up with a daily, you know, every time we, um, we put them in and we scrub them, we'll, you know, we'll send you a, um, a PDF. So I've looked over all these. You know, we did that. that and, that's not, and, and they had several levels of validation. That's not what these other campaigns had. So, you know, we, we deserve to be put on the ballot. Um, if they actually followed their processes, which, let's be clear, their own report shows they didn't. They said, this is the way we normally do it, but due to time and how much bad stuff we're seeing, we changed our process. You know, and, and, and I, I, I had a lot of interviews after the hearing. Um, apparently it was live streamed. I didn't know that. Um, and I said, this is why normal people don't get into politics. I go, because here I am. You know, this wasn't an easy decision. I mean, it's hard. I've got successful businesses, a great family. I, I pulled time away from the business and family. I've been on the road a lot because I thought it was the best to be able to help Michigan, to be able to fix our problems. And you tell me there's a set of rules that you're going to follow, and then you didn't. I've looked at my, you know, some, here were some of the complaints they had about fraudulent petitions with other campaigns. They said there was no wear and tear. And I go, you know, they were too clean. And I go, well, not on ours. I can tell, you know, I, I submitted pictures of, um, of petitions to the Detroit News, who just came out with an article yesterday showing wear and tear. 
They said, well, if a petition, if all 10 lines of the petition are, are filled out, that's a warning sign. I go, seriously? Number one, myself as a competitive person, I have a hard time submitting one with eight. I'll stay out later. It's just who I am. But I said, number two, a lot of our petitions, as I looked at them, they took sometimes three, four, sometimes a week to complete. That doesn't suggest fraud. And now you just throw them out. And the best line of it all was this, uh, one of the people that worked there, his name was Mr. Brader. Okay. I'm a, I'm a math guy. And so here's what they do. He said, we went over out of the 68,000 that they're alleging. We went over se- uh, roughly 7,000 of them, 10%. And we didn't find a single signature to be valid. But earlier in the day, they said, you know, people sign differently, right? If it's raining out, they're going to sign their name maybe more quickly. If they don't trust the person, they may sign their name differently. Um, they might have groceries. If you catch them at a Walmart, they might have groceries in their hand. They're going to sign it a little differently. So he used the words earlier in the day, redeemable qualities. If the, if the signature has some redeemable qualities where it looks like, hey, maybe it could be valid, maybe, out of an abundance of caution, we keep it. And so he said, we looked at seven, get the 7,000 signatures. You know what he said? We didn't find one, not one. And I'm like, wait a minute, you didn't, that's statistically impossible. <laughs> uh, I should say improbable, right? Yeah, exactly. And two, and two last things, I want to make sure I don't forget this. They wrote a two and a half page report for us, okay? It's called their staff report. It's two and a half pages. And in two and a half pages, you better get it right. That's not a very big report. And when you're alleging fraud, you better get it right. When you're determining somebody's future, you better get it right. And when you're going to take somebody off the ballot and deprive voters of having that choice, you better get it right. And you could see them scrambling when they, they sent somebody to the back of the room to start looking up the records when we brought up two points. Those two points were this. Number one, they said that Indira Radcliffe submitted 1,980 signatures from us or for our campaign and that all 1,980 signatures should be thrown out. You know, the funny thing is, Tom, they, Indira Radcliffe only submitted 470 signatures for us. Their own count was off by 1,510 signatures. Anybody listening right now should be concerned. They were off by 400%. And then there was an, you know, again, two-and-a-half-page report. You better get it right when the stakes are this high. Another problem. In the report, they said, well, Mr. Markey's campaign got 465 signatures, it's all public knowledge, 465 signatures from Sierra Brown. You know the problem with that one? We don't have any petitions from Sierra Brown. <laughs> they didn't get their own report right. Well, so we, you know what, we, go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry, I'm yeah. taking it over, but I get, I get a little upset about this. No, I, and I understand that, and I appreciate that, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to let you make as many of these points as, as we possibly could. Um, I you. would like to, um, at, at some point, um, get an opportunity to sit down and talk with you, you know, for a longer period of time and mm-hmm. do, you know, a full, uh, you know, the full long format interview sure. thing. Sure, it would be our pleasure. Yep. Um, and, and we'll get back together on that. But I, I did want to ask um, a couple of things. Was it a little bit disheartening when the uh, um, Detroit Chamber of Commerce announced that they were uh, only going to advance five people to debate in uh, at the Mackinac Policy uh, Conference? No, 
Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the simple answer, obviously, is yes. Um, but as you mentioned earlier, um, former gubernatorial candidate Tom George, who gave us his endorsement, he, he had already warned me about it. He's like, you know, I think because there's so many in the field, he just said, I think they're going to try to keep you off, and you need to make a big deal. You were the fastest to get the signatures. Make a big deal about it. Um, you know, and obviously right now I can't make a big deal about it because we're, we're, we're dealing with a situation we shouldn't be in because we didn't, you know, we didn't do what the other candidates did. I didn't just blindly trust a company. We went over them. And, you know, the fraud that the Bureau of Elections has been talking about all – you know, if you look at all of the citations they used for Perry, uh, Perry Johnson and uh, Chief James Craig, they all of the the round robbing and issues they show start in late March to early April when when these circulators were on. I mean, it doesn't make it okay by no means, but when these circulators were under the gun on a very short time frame and they're being paid, you know, seven times or not seven times, three times what they used to be paid. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would have liked to have been invited to the debate. Um, I think it's important for the public to be able to hear different points of view. And I, I think, too, that they should have had some type of um, decorum kind of saying, you know, some candidates like myself haven't been in this that long. Um, so, you know, that name ID is not going to – I think name ID would have been a better registration than um, potential, you know, polling voters on would you vote for them or not. Yeah, that seemed a little, a, a little flaky to me. Mm-hmm. Um, in any event, uh, Michael, um, we've probably gone a little over the time that we had planned, but um, okay. but I, I I do want to get back with you, and I thank you for sharing your thoughts and your reaction to uh, to what's going on, and and we'll see what the board of canvassers ultimately mm-hmm. decides. The Tom Summer program.com and welcome back everybody this is the tom sumner program and uh, most people should know by now that the uh, michigan uh, uh, elections board and then uh, had recommended that five of the ten gop uh, candidates for governor in michigan um, be kicked off the ballot basically and yesterday, the uh, Michigan Board of um, uh, Canvassers, state canvassers, uh, which is made up of two Democrats and two Republicans, deadlocked two to two on each vote, which means that the five, uh, Michael Markey, Detroit Police Chief James Craig, uh, businesswoman uh, Donna Brandenburg, Perry Johnson, and former Michigan State Police Captain Michael Brown are all rendered ineligible. And uh, I had Mike Brown was scheduled to be uh, one of the candidates to be interviewed in our long format uh, this past Wednesday. And um, he ended up dropping out of the race over this. And uh, But he agreed to spend a few minutes with us and, and give his reaction to this whole petition debacle. And he joins me now by phone, Mike Brown. Mike, welcome to the show. And, and sorry about what happened, but can you make any sense out of what happened? Well, good morning, Tom. Uh, good morning, viewers. Uh, first of all, uh, I just want to correct something right at the start. I'm not a former state police captain. I'm still working. I wondered so about I that want... when I said it, Mike, and my apologies. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, that's been made before, but uh, I just want to correct that for the viewers. 
so they know my perspective on this. So, uh, no, that was uh, news that uh, uh, was shocking to, to my campaign. Uh, we had not heard anything from the Secretary of State since April 12th. Uh, they, they let the campaign know. How did you uh, find 12th. out, Mike? Well, let me back up a second. Yeah, sure. April 12th, April 12th they, they said they would contact the campaign if they had any issues with the signatures. Uh, zero contact with the Secretary of State since then. So I found out by an email Monday night at uh, 8.09 uh, p.m. I was in the Upper Peninsula campaigning. So it was a shocking to the campaign, and certainly uh, I will never sign up for any uh, fraud uh, in my campaign. So I had to make the painful decision uh, looking at the information that uh, was there that uh, there was no way I was going to be associated with that. So uh, painfully I had to... Uh, in my campaign for governor, but I, I will never sign up for any alleged fraud, and I can I explain what I think happened uh, in that. Yeah, because I'm sure a lot of people are, are curious, and when I first read the report, and, uh, well, let me back up and re-ask the question I asked uh, a couple of minutes ago. Um, how did you find out? Was it the free press story? <clears throat> no, I, I received a call from a... Uh, a radio reporter Monday night. I was at, actually in that, at an event, and and then an email came through from the Secretary of State saying that a number of my signatures were disqualified uh, because of uh, fraudulent circulators, which uh, had done a number of uh, alleged fraud on other campaigns. So that transferred to my campaign. Uh, so, but I I'm hundred percent confident that the work that we submitted, which was earlier than other campaigns was 100% legitimate uh, and then the fraud happened on other campaigns in that last 30 days of scrambling for other campaigns for signatures when they were throwing around some big money. I, I think you've already sort of explained um, why you didn't want to hang in there and, and fight the decision because even from the initial reporting, Mike, it looks like um, shortcuts were taken in disqualifying uh, signatures. You know, whole sheets were thrown out if any were found to be fraudulent or duplicates or, or uh, in violation of the of the rules in any event. Let me let me ask this: um, Is is there a flaw in the in the qualification petition process to begin with? No, everyone knows the rules going in. I knew the rules going in. You needed fifteen thousand valid signatures and X amount in half the congressional districts. So, I mean, we submitted almost twenty-one thousand signatures between volunteers. Mike, is it and, only uh, half the congressional districts? I thought it was all of them. No, it's half. You have to have okay. hundred for a half. I don't. I don't know how they're measuring it now with thirteen congressional districts. So, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, half plus one, maybe. Yeah, who knows? Uh, but uh, everyone knew the rules going in, and that's what we uh, signed up for. So, but uh, the one thing that could be improved is uh, is uh, an ability to. Uh, uh, electronically check uh, from the campaign side uh, every signature uh, from volunteers and any company you may employ. 
Well, it it seems like uh, professional signature gatherers were being used by most, if not all, of the campaigns. How did you get caught up into that? How how did you end up inadvertently opening the door to this fraudulent activity in your campaign? Well, that's an interesting question. Uh, uh, we we uh, had volunteer signatures, and we employed a firm to. Uh, work in uh, kind of the metro metro Detroit region. I live uh, all the way on the southwest, and we had volunteers over there also. But it's pretty common for uh, big campaigns to employ uh, petition management companies or ballot initiatives. That's pretty common. Um, so, uh, you know, we employed that firm, but what I know happened is they completed a valid work for my campaign January, February, March, and then some of the same contractors went over to other campaigns that were paying big money, and they cut corners on uh, a lot of the fraud that you see submitted. Uh, so that uh, unfortunately transferred over to my campaign with those same independent contractors that worked for my campaign early, early in 2022. So it's, uh, it's uh, painful for all my supporters for me to have to make that decision uh, with the time they spent, uh, money, money contributed, uh, my eight months worth of work across the whole state. So tough decisions need to be made, but uh, I had to be de- decisive on that because I'm not going to be associated with any fraud, whether it was on other campaigns that transferred to mine. So I'm not going to do it. Mike, I had you scheduled to be on the show Wednesday, and on Tuesday when you dropped out of the race, you <clears throat> wrote to me right away, which I appreciate very much, by the way, and thank you for that, um, to let me know that you wanted to postpone that, that, you know, that, that some things had changed. Um, and, and then I had a chance on Wednesday to read your, um, your very eloquent, withdrawal from the campaign and i'll just read this one um you've already said this this morning i cannot and will not be associated with this activity um but mike does that mean you wouldn't consider trying again for statewide office or perhaps a a congressional seat or or some other elected position well one never knows Uh, life takes interesting turns but the campaign was going great (laughs) The campaign was really going great. People love my experience, my knowledge of Michigan, knowledge of the issues. So, Tom, I wrote that at 3 a.m. with no sleep. So, <laughs> well, I, I thought it was I thought it was very eloquent, very heartfelt, and uh, and very matter of fact, and and very uh, transparent. Um, you said. Uh, uh, it appears that after my campaign signature gathering was complete, individuals independently contracted for a portion of our signature gathering and validation jumped onto other campaigns and went on a money grab. Um, this this is a, a, a very strange situation. It's unusual to have that many candidates um, running... Uh, for governor on on, on uh, one side of the aisle, the the GOP. Um, were you surprised at the uh, Detroit Chamber of Commerce uh, making a selection of only five to participate in a debate at the Mackinac Policy Conference? No, uh, I was actually going to go to the the island because I thought there'd be some changes in the debate lineup, and and uh, I have to email them today, uh, just thanking them for. Uh, offered me uh, 
a, uh, to come on the island and talk to uh, a lot of their supporters, but uh, obviously I, I have to withdraw that. So, no, that's pretty standard practice. Uh, no, my campaign was going great. It was really uh, getting some momentum, and unfortunately uh, this, this situation occurred, so I just uh, feel horrible about it. And certainly it's, one, it's a tough time. Well, Mike, I appreciate you sharing your thoughts with me and the listeners this morning, and uh, I, I just I I wish you the best. I, I agree. Your campaign was going very well, and uh, uh, all I can say is uh, keep up the good work. Well, thank you, sir, and uh, thank you for the invitation and the audience. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye. Once again, that was... Uh, Michigan State Police Captain Mike Brown, who is one of five GOP candidates, kicked off uh, the ballot for this year's uh, election for Michigan governor. Um, he also kicked off the ballot. Um, uh, and and I, I want to add that, uh, that Mike Brown was scheduled to be on a show earlier this week, but on Tuesday he uh, withdrew from the race, said he didn't want to be involved with basically what was a tainted uh, petition gathering process. Um, in any event, we're, uh, the, the other candidates that uh, are knocked off the ballot include Detroit Police Chief James Craig, Businesswoman Donna Brandenburg, uh, Perry Johnson, and um, Michael Markey. And uh, Michael Markey was also on the show reacting to this. Uh, he's among those that are pressing forward and going to sue to try and get uh, as as many signatures counted as possible. Anyway, I have to take a short break, but we've got more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. From the Tom Sumner Show. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work, and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. 
Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, file a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 15th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Loan Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan, Flipflip Technology, My Community College, Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Gentlemen, who are we scheduled to interview next? I've been waiting around now for three weeks. (laughs) Of course, our apologies. Our next guest is the junior senator from New York. Senator, first we'd like to welcome you here today. We hope this will be a happy interview. No, well, I mean, that's, I don't think that that would be, I doubt if it will be. (laughs) Senator is the father of nine children and a devoted family man. We'd like to thank you for taking the time out to come and speak with us here. I'm delighted to see uh, so many grown-ups all in one room. (laughs) Uh, We continue the questioning with Mr. Swayze. Senator, I wonder if we might switch for just a moment and... Keep the door open. Well, sir, we normally close the door for silence, you understand. I'm in favor of keeping that door open. (laughs) All right, we'll keep the door open. 
Thank you very much. Mr. Van Voorhees. Senator, as an out-of-stater, some people have questioned your motives for coming into New York. I grew up here in the state of New York. Well then, obviously it does have meaning for you. What exactly is New York to you and your wife, Ethel? Something that we will hand over to our children. <laughs> Mr. St. Ledger. Uh, now that you're a senator, you must have some very, very exciting and vital things you plan on doing for the people of New York. No, I have no plans. Surely, <laughs> surely Senator, you have some ideas. I just have no plans. <laughs> well, what do the people of New York need? Well, I think you'd have to ask them. <laughs> Senator, if we, can, uh, if we can look ahead for just a moment, uh, do you think your brother Teddy will one day be president? If he wants to uh, join me and where I'm going, I'd be glad to have him along. <laughs> well then, if I, uh, if I correctly interpret what you've just said, uh, when would you like to be president? Now. I think you know it can't be done that quickly. 1965, 1966? No, obviously you can't run for president until 1968. I don't think that's fair. <laughs> it's been rumored that you're carrying on a feud with the president. Now, of course, none of us happen to believe that. Didn't you pay him a visit just recently? A few days ago. Did you have a nice, friendly chat with the president? I showed up and he had guards to keep me out. <laughs> we understood, sir, that on a recent tour of the Western United States, you visited Mount Rushmore. I did, yes. With the great heads of Washington, Jefferson, and Lincoln carved into the mountainside. That's correct. And as you stood there gazing up at that monument, did any particular thoughts come to mind? I'd like to be a part of that. Senator, many thanks for being with us this evening. Thank you very much. Incidentally, due to your heavy schedule, we almost took it upon ourselves to cancel this interview entirely. I would have been delighted. <laughs> This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Mind out 
in a car He didn't notice that the lights had changed A crowd of people stood aside They seen his face before Nobody was really sure if he was from the house of Somebody spoke and I went into a dream
virus comes along that's spreading like a plague And POTUS and his lackeys have been nothing if not vague Well then you've got to trust the CDC and listen well Unless you want to bid our free society farewell There is a Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July. A super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if you got a better cough in your arm, and if you got a better... <coughs> now, back in 1918, influenza had its run. But half the docks were busy overseas with World War One. Today we have mass media and scientists to say, if you don't want this virus, well then stay six feet away. Super damn important that we practice isolation, because we're asymptomatic while it's in incubation. We'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation. It's super damn important that we practice isolation. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart. Cause it's already scary and we're only at the start. If you get bored, just think of the immunocompromised. Who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilized. Oh, super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. If we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us. In a stretch of quarantine, the last until July. A super bad, transmittable, Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com Pilots, get off of my lawn! We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on! Go on, get out of here! <laughs>